Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you. You may be seated. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 23 this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 23. We are finally ending our series in 1 Thessalonians this morning. And uh, Paul has some last words to say to the believers in Thessalonica as well as to us today. They say that last words are lasting words. And so what was it that was on Paul's heart and certainly inspired by the Holy Spirit that would be the last things he says to these folks in this letter? And they really cover three things. God has a plan for us. God has a promise to us, and that God has provisions for us. Let's read these verses together, and then I'd like to share some thoughts that God laid on my heart from this passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 23. Now may the God of peace Himself make you completely holy, And may your spirit and soul and body be kept entirely blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is trustworthy, and he will in fact do this. Brothers and sisters, pray for us too. Greet the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. I call on you solemnly in the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul wants to remind us today that God has a plan for us. Now, obviously, he fashions that plan to us individually so that each of us who follow the Lord He has an individual plan for our lives, if you will. But generally speaking, that overarches those individual plans for each of us, he has sort of a a general plan. A general plan for every one of us who are his children. And Paul describes this plan here in verse 23 of 1 Thessalonians 5. And that is that God wants to make us whole. That's what Paul means when he says the God of peace. In fact, it's a great description of our God. When you think of the word peace, I want you to think of the concept of wholeness. That's really how you and I can be at peace. When we are whole. And what Paul is saying in verse 23 is, it is God alone who can make us whole. We can't make ourselves whole. No one else or nothing else can make us whole. Only God can do that. In the Greek language, one of the sort of, I guess, nuances of that language, unlike our English language, is that in the Greek language, they would put the emphasis, what what was most important, what they wanted to emphasize very first in the sentence. In fact, that's why in translations we can't go word for word 
from the Greek New Testament to our New Testament because it would not flow at all in the way we talk in our English language. It's one of the challenges that translators have. But in verse 23 of the Greek text, the word himself is actually first in the sentence. It is emphasizing that, again, only God himself can bring us wholeness and out of that wholeness bring us to a place of peace in our lives. Only he can do that. We can't do that for ourselves. No one else can do that. Nothing else can do that. We have to cooperate, if you will, in the process that God has us on to make us whole. And out of that cooperating with God to make us whole, we can find peace. Because it is in this plan that God has for us that what He wants from us is that we would be, even as His followers, completely His. When we turn to faith in Christ and we become a child of God, the Bible teaches that we get all of God. God does not come into our life piecemeal, progressively. But when we accept Christ as our Savior, God does not have all of us. That's what the word sanctification in the New Testament is speaking about. It is that ongoing, lifelong process where we turn more of our lives over to God. Where we yield more and more of ourselves to Him. Where we stop trying to be in control of our own lives, and, and even though we're not in control anyway, and where we give control, give leadership to God, and let God have his will, and his way in our lives. That's God's plan. That's what Paul's talking about here to the Thessalonians. In fact, you could take the word his and substitute it for the word holy in verse 23, and you'd be very accurate. It is God who wants to make ourselves completely his. That no part of our lives is left unreached or untouched or unyielded or unsurrendered to Him. Where we give everything to Him and give control of every area of our lives over to Him. That is the plan that God has. That's why sometimes when we understand this, we can begin maybe to even understand why God allows us to go through the things that we go through in life. To have the challenges that we do. To, to face the adversity that we do. To go through the trials and tribulations. It's not that God's trying to be cruel. It's that God understands that through all these things that are happening, God is trying to make us completely His. He's trying to let us get to a place where we let go of the control of our lives and turn everything, every part, over to Him. That's why Paul goes on to talk about the material and immaterial parts of us. That's why he says, May the God of peace himself make you completely holy or completely his. And may your spirit, 
your soul, your body, every part of us be his. You see. Totally surrendered to God. That's the plan. You see. God, when he saves us, when we turn to faith in him, he doesn't just want part of us. He wants all of us. This is why Paul exhorts the Roman Christians in Romans chapter 12, the first couple of verses, to get to a place in their Christian life where they are willing to make their lives a total offering to God, to present their body a living sacrifice. Paul says that's really, that's what it's all about. That's God's plan for us. God never planned to save us and then only have a part of us. And so everything that God does, everything that he allows, everything that he brings into into our lives, the overarching plan is that. That we would come to a place where we would allow God to make us completely his. See, the word holy here just means to be set apart to God, to be in a sense separated from anything or everyone else, and to be totally separated unto God, to give an over to God. That's what holiness is. So a question that we need to ask ourselves today, and something I think that was obvious through our worship and the songs that we sang today is, are we cooperating with God in this process of making us completely His? Are there parts of our life that are yet unyielded and unsurrendered? Are there things that we still want to hold on to and control in our lives? Or are there things that we need to just let go of finally and give it over to God? Because what Paul is saying here is this, if I am willing to do that, I will experience... The peace of God. Because he's a God of peace. He wants to bring this peace into my life. But as long as I'm fighting with God, I am not yielding to God. I'm not surrendering to God. I'm not allowing God to make me whole. In other words, bring my whole life under his leadership and lordship. Then I will not experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. I will will be this disjointed, dislocated individual, even as a Christian, who is willing to give up certain things to God, but hold on to others. And what God wants to get us to see is, unless we are willing throughout our lives, as His Spirit directs us, to give over everything, and when we have a particular area of our lives that we are holding on to with everything we've got, and the Holy Spirit is really bearing upon us to give it up, give it over, turn it over. You don't have control anyway, God is saying, so give it over to me. When we do that, Oh my goodness, the peace that we could experience. But we do not enjoy many times that peace because we're not letting God have His way. We're not cooperating with God in this process. We're we're struggling. We're fighting. You see. And so this is the plan. And this is why Paul goes on to say that 
The God of peace himself will make you completely holy, his, and your spirit, soul, and body be kept entirely blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, notice that Paul was so focused on staying focused until the return of the Lord that that was actually more motivation for him than even death. And he wanted to pass that along to the Thessalonian believers. And even though all of them actually saw the Lord in death before he came for them, that was the motivation. The coming of the Lord, the return of the Lord, that one day we're going to visibly see the Lord. That was Paul's motivation, which he's talked about throughout this entire letter. Now, obviously, they died first. But I think Paul would say the same thing to us. Yeah, you may die first, but stay focused on the return of the Lord. He's coming. And why does Paul talk about being entirely blameless? Well, the word blameless simply means faultless. Uh, Think of it as without defect. Uh, Good working order, if you will. I think of even like an automobile. You know, you you try to service it regularly so that it it stays in good working order. You don't want to get up tomorrow morning and start off the work and turn the key and nothing happens. That's not a good way to start the week or the day, you see. You, you always want it to be reliable and in good working order. You don't want any major defects in that system because obviously then it breaks down and then it affects you. And God is simply saying, by calling us to be entirely blameless, he's saying, continue to cooperate with me and surrender your life and yield and give control of your life over to me so that you can stay in good, tip-top spiritual shape and working order right up until the time you see me, whether it be when I return or when you die. But stay In good working order. Don't allow defects to come in and begin to break down your spiritual system, if you will, to where you're not running in good working order. And that was Paul's thought here. That's the plan of God. That's why God continues to want us to get to a place where we just say, okay, God, you you lead. You control. I follow. I stop calling the shots. I stop trying to control things. Which is why I think it's important, too, that we remember when the Bible uses the word Lord. Which he does here when he refers to the one who's coming. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. The word Lord speaks of the one who's supposed to have authority. He decides my life, not me. And even though, again, we can, we can know that in our heads. Yes, I believe Jesus is my Lord or I want him to be my Lord. It's a whole other thing to relinquish authority completely of my life over to him. And say, God, it's not my life. It's, it's in your hands. 
It's not me trying to control and manipulate things and hold on to things and all of that. It's giving everything over to you. And when we do that, when each and every moment of our lives, God comes in and and prompts us to do that, and we're willing to do that, we will experience the peace of God. That peace, again, that Paul talks about to the Philippians that passes all understanding. Because we lose that peace of mind, if you will, whenever we hold on to what we're not supposed to hold on to. When we try to control the things that we can't control anyway. When, when we try to, you know, fix things and manipulate, rather than just giving it over to the Lord and saying, Lord, it's yours. And that's what Paul's saying is God's plan. God's plan is for each of us as his children to be made completely his. And only God can do that. Only God can make us whole and give us that peace. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean you and I just sit back and let God do everything. We have to be active in that process. In fact, one of the most active ways to to be in that process is simply of that continual yielding and surrender and dying to self and turning things over to the Lord rather than keeping them myself and trying to work on them myself. Because through self-effort... We'll never find that wholeness and peace. In fact, that may be where some of you are at today. You may say, but pastor, I've really been working hard. I've been trying to do everything I can do to get to this place. And what Paul is saying to all of us is, you can't. You and I can't get there on our own. You and I can't get there no matter how much self-effort we put into it. Only God alone can make us whole. Only the God of peace can be the one to give us peace. That's God's plan. We simply have to determine, are we cooperating with God in that plan for us? Or are we fighting God and being uncooperative in that plan? Then Paul says, God has a promise for us as well. In verse 24, he who calls you is trustworthy. Now, interestingly enough, in this verse, the word trustworthy is first in the Greek text. Again, wanting to emphasize the fact that above everything else, God is faithful, God is reliable. You can depend on God. He wants us to know that above everything else. So that when we get to a place where we're fighting maybe against God and being uncooperative, Paul is saying, you realize you you can just rest in God. You, You can just turn everything over to the Lord and stop trying to hold on to things yourself because He can be absolutely trusted. He is faithful. You can depend on Him. His Word is true. His promises are true. And He will always have, again, our best highest interests at heart. 
to me, it, it, it's very simple and yet profound that the only reason that you and I, even as children of God, do not surrender things to God is because the bottom line is we're just, we don't trust Him. If we truly trusted Him, I mean really trusted Him, we believed that He was absolutely trustworthy, then what would we withhold from turning over to Him? And that's, I think, what Paul wants to say. If I have to leave you with something, Paul's saying, I want to leave you with the truth that God is trustworthy. He is faithful. He is reliable. You can depend on Him throughout your life. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never not be there for you when you need Him. He'll never not be a support or help or encouragement. He will always, always be there. And then Paul goes on to say this. Trustworthy is He, and in fact, He will do this. The promise is that, yes, the plan of God is that throughout our earthly life, He wants to make us completely His. He wants us to get to a place where we are continually cooperating with Him and turning things over to Him more and more and more. In fact, very interestingly, in verse 24, the word calls is in the present tense, which means that God doesn't just call us once or invite us to turn everything over to Him. It is something that He continues to do throughout our earthly life. Even today, even this morning, God, in a sense, through His Holy Spirit, is calling on all of us to turn it over to Him and let go of it and give Him whatever it is He's asking for. Letting Him take the lead. Letting Him have control. Stop trying to do it ourselves. This is what God is continually calling us to do. Why? Because He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. And then Paul goes on to say, and no matter where we are in the process, God never loses His patience with us. God never gets so frustrated with us, even when we don't cooperate, that somehow God will give up on us. That what Paul is saying here in verse 24 is something very important you and I need to be reminded of, and that is this. God will finish in our lives what He started That's why Paul could say to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, He, I am sure of this, Paul said, that he who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Unlike us, who loses patience and moves on to other things, and who gets so frustrated with something that we just stop, God never will do that with us. He will, in fact, bring this all about. Because one day, no matter where we are in the process, once we either die or Jesus comes back and we're there, then God completes that process. God then finally makes us wholly His. Because when we get to heaven, that's part of what's going to make heaven heaven. Is it all of us Stop holding on to those parts 
uh, of our life and parts of our being that we haven't yet yielded and surrendered. And one of the great things that, that totally un, unhinders us, if you will, uh, and, and we break the, the shackles and the chains and everything that hold, holds us back from being the people that we could be here on earth is that when we get to glory, we won't hold anything back any longer. We'll surrender it all to God. Because one of the reasons why is because we see Him in all of His glory. And then we have no trouble just, oh my goodness, God, why didn't I just turn my whole life over to you sooner? Why didn't I just trust you with every part of my life sooner? Because John says, when we see Him, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. Paul wants us to know that God has promised us that he can be trusted. He's put his very character on the line with his word. And all the promises that God has given us in his word, they can be relied on. They can be depended on. And God is going to continue to work on us and call us and invite us to continue to yield more and surrender more of our lives over to Him because He wants His children to be at peace. And God understands the only way that you and I as human beings, even as children, can really experience the peace of God is when we're willing to cooperate and turn things over to God and yield control of our lives over to Him instead of trying to take life ourselves and doing it all with self-effort. And then, in verses 25 through 28, Paul shares with us the provisions of God. We're just going to go through these quickly. But these are the things that God will use in our life to bring this all about. Things, again, that you and I can be active in. So that it's not a whole passive thing where, we, again, we just sit back and say, Okay, God, make me completely yours. No, God's saying, no, you've got to cooperate with me in this effort. What are some of the things we can do? Verse 25, prayer. Brothers and sisters, pray for us too. Paul was never ashamed to ask his brothers and sisters in Christ, his fellow believers, to be praying for him. Prayer is one of those essentials in our spiritual life that we need to grow in and mature in in order to get ourselves to a place where we're willing to be completely God's. And God will use prayer in our life to do that. That's one of the reasons why the spiritual enemy always fights us on prayer. It's one of the things that Christians a lot of times say, what's, what's one of your weaknesses spiritually? Many Christians will say, my prayer life, it suffers so. I don't pray like I should. You know, Paul even said earlier, we should pray unceasingly. Be in constant communication with God. How many of us as believers really do that? And then we wonder why our spiritual life is suffering and why we're not experiencing the peace of God and why we're not feeling whole and why we feel all disjointed and spread in millions of different directions. Because God wants us to come into His presence and pray and be a man and woman of prayer. Do you need encouragement in your prayer life? then I would like to encourage you to come out this Wednesday night to Bible study because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about on Wednesday night out of 1 John. Our prayer life and how we can be encouraged in it. 
If your prayer life is everything it should be, then don't show up Wednesday. No, I'm not just teasing. I would never say that. Never. Prayer. Praying for one another. The second provision God gives us besides prayer is the people of God, one another. Notice in these very short verses how many times Paul refers to brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, pray for us too. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. By the way, a holy kiss is not a sensual thing in the first century. It was this, it was this sign of, of appropriate affection given to believers to one another as, as, a, as a bond of, of unity, of, of saying, you and I, we are bonded together in Christ. We are glued together in Christ. It was a way of, of reminding each other that we're in this together. That's why they greeted each other that way. And then Paul says at the very, uh, in verse 27, have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. See, God gives us the people of God around us as a part of his provision to get us to a place where we are completely hit. Christians who are trying to, again, get to that good place spiritually on their own without being really a part of their brothers and sisters in Christ will never get there. I know you probably get tired of me harping on that, but I will do that till the day I die or Jesus comes. Because I just simply believe today that most Christians, most Christians today, do not give the local church the priority that they should in their lives. Everything else is more important and, and comes into their schedule more than the local church and their brothers and sisters in Christ. We have 168 hours in the week how much of that 168 hours in each week do we spend in prayer and with our brothers and sisters in Christ compared to all the time we spend with other things? That's why Paul said earlier, encourage one another, build one another up. Well, how can I be encouraged and build each other up or be built up or encouraged if I'm never around my brothers and sisters in Christ? It's one of the provisions God gives. The third provision God gives is His Word. Notice verse 27. I call on you solemnly. The only time this word is used in the New Testament, it speaks about charging someone, placing an obligation upon someone. Paul's basically placing an obligation on the leadership of the church to make sure that this word, his letter, the word of God is read to everyone in the church because the word of God isn't just for uh, an elite few. It's for everybody. And it's almost like Paul's saying, raise your right hand and repeat after me. I promise to tell the whole truth. Now he says, I, do you promise to make sure that this letter, this message from God is read to everybody? Because one of the provisions God gives us is his word. It is through the, the living, active word of God that we can get to a place where we are willing to be completely his and surrender and yield and turn things over to God. And then finally, verse 28. Paul ends this letter the way he began, speaking about the grace of God. Grace is simply God's supernatural enablement. God, no matter what we're going through or dealing with, God will always give us his very sufficient grace to deal with it. And Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It was not through me trying to do it on my own and my own self-effort that I became the person I did. It was through relying and depending on the grace of God in my life. That's how I got to where I got to. 
The grace of God, the word of God, the people of God, and prayer. These are the provisions that God gives to his people. So that his people will learn that he is trustworthy. And that he is sure to finish what he started in our life. And that we can depend on him completely. And he wants us to get to a place where we are completely his Because as the God of peace, He wants us to truly experience and enjoy His peace. He wants us to be in a place of wholeness where everything in my life is under the umbrella of God. Where it's not like, okay God, I'll give you this part of my life and this part of my life and this part, but I'm keeping this part. Because you know what God will do, right? Every time in my life, I've said, God, I'm willing to give you this, but I'm going to hold on to this. Guess what it is that God continues to... God says, no, I I want that. But God, let let me have something. No, no, I, I want that. Because God understands. It's only when you and I are willing to give it all over to God. No part left untouched. No part left unreached. That's what it means in verse 23. May the God of peace himself make you completely holy. Whatever part of our lives today is unyielded and unsurrendered to God, that's the part the Holy Spirit's going to zero in on. Not because he is trying to, you know, be angry or unpleasant, it's because God understands it's only when we're willing to give that up and give that over will His peace flood into our lives. And God wants us to experience His peace. Let's pray. God, we thank You today that You have a plan for our lives. And yes, God, You have a very specific plan and purpose and will for each of us as your children. But over that plan, God, you have a general plan. And that is that you want every one of us, every one of your children, to be completely yours. To be totally yielded, totally surrendered, totally given over to you. That that no part is kept back. No part is unyielded. No part is held on to, but everything God has turned over to you. God, would we be willing this morning to cooperate with you in that? To acknowledge that you are the Lord. You're the one that should have authority in my life. Not me, not anyone else. You. You should be in control. You should be in the lead. You should be in charge. And you are certainly more than enough for us. You are trustworthy, God. You are faithful. You are reliable. We can depend on you. So, God, may we acknowledge that, recognize that, confirm that, affirm that this morning as your people. And may today we begin to make decisions in our life. Decisions that will result in peace like never before. Because we are allowing you, God, and you alone to make us completely yours. 
These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.